This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. All right, so we've been talking about family. Everybody's got one, yes? Family can be a uh, struggle sometimes. Family can be the greatest joy that we have, but it can also be a struggle sometimes, can it? Nobody can push our buttons like family. So we've got to learn to deal with it, right? So family, I want to review real quick the last couple of weeks. The first time, the first week, three weeks ago, we just kind of started talking about family in general. We were talking about how this tied into the last sermon series Pastor Bob did on choices. And I gave you three things. And I was saying, wherever you find yourself and your family today, it's a result of choices. Yes, things happen in life, but life is 90%... 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. Our choices determine where we go. Number two, choices that lead to life are always found in God's word. And then number three, now how much, no matter how much dysfunction you see in your family, God can always breathe new life into it through the choice that you make from this day forward. And we're, the key verse to that last sermon series and that we've been using comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, ends with saying, therefore choose life, saying that God gives us the choice. There, it says, therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. You realize that's the condition there, right? As we choose life, we will see life in us and in our descendants. And then we talked about family relationships. We've kind of, kind of, keep, kind of tried to keep this kind of broad because like we talked about the first week, we have everybody from all different types of backgrounds. We have folks who are single, people who are married, people who are divorced. We, you know, we have teenagers and such in the room, and you know, we, we just have all different situations. And so the second week we talked about, uh, about family relationships, because even if you're not married, even if you don't have children, we still have to deal with conflicts in the family dynamic, right? And so we talked about three things just to keep in mind. Number one, choosing to be the peacemaker, knowing when to speak and when not to, being sensitive to those situations, and using discernment and knowing, knowing what to do in those moments. Number two, making the righteous, godly, and sometimes hard decisions. Sometimes we have to make hard, unpopular decisions, and, and that's tough to do sometimes, right? But we have to do things God's way. And then number three was choosing to make prayer the priority, knowing when our family's just not going to hear anything we have to say, and sometimes it's the only thing we've got. We need to be praying for our family anyway, but sometimes we've got to know when to shut our mouth and to step back and simply seek God in regards to our family situation. Amen? Amen. And so last week, we kind of got into marriage. We talked a little bit to single folks and stuff, but you know, we focused on married people. We're talking about to have a healthy, successful marriage. We talked about, first and foremost, to be selfless. Prefer your spouse. We talked about guarding your heart and, uh, and believing the best in your spouse. And secondly, we talked about making God the center of it all. If he's not the center of that, that three-strand cord, what's the point, right? And so that brings us to today. And it's still all about choices. And we are going to talk about parenting because I believe that parenting is, man, that's the greatest responsibility that God gives us. So it's children, right? And I, I think my personal opinion is out of everything that God puts in our hands to work with in our life, children are the one that we should really do right. We, we, we've got to get this right. True? God holds us accountable for how we raise our children. And so we actually, one of our children is in here today. Did y'all see Lauren singing this morning? Lauren, why don't you come up here with us for a minute? And, you know, it's funny because we've been talking for three weeks about our family, and we've had so many new folks coming through the church that I, it amazes me every couple of weeks I have somebody that say, oh, I didn't know that was your child, or, or I, Pastor Bob is your dad? I didn't know that. Well, yeah, Pastor Bob, Pastor Bob and, and Ellen are my parents. And actually, my lovely brother put up an old picture on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. And I, I've got it. Why don't you throw that picture from 1989 or whatever the heck it was there. Yeah, there, there, there we are from, from years ago, if you hadn't seen that on, on Facebook yet. But that was our family growing up. And I, I said it the first week was that, you know, we haven't done everything right in, in our family growing up. But we did have a good head start because we were both raised in houses that served the Lord and taught us to, and trained us to, uh, to walk in the ways of the Lord. And so we already had a head start in life, and it enabled us to make good choices in our own family. And so the next picture there, go ahead to the next one. 
Um, that was our family picture from a couple of years ago. So those of you who don't know, obviously there's Lauren. And then uh, Madison is working in, in one of the classes today. Yeah, and then uh, and Aaron is back here in, in Air Force. And then we had, a, I think I have another picture from Easter this year uh, there as well at our, at our new house. And yes, somehow, I'm wearing Lauren's dress today. <laughs> She's like, uh, Mom. And I'm wearing the shirt. <laughs> wow, and that's something. And somehow both of our dogs got in that picture. Man, okay. So, so anyway, this is our family. And, and so you saw Lauren singing this morning, and, and we're so proud of her. And, and I, I, love that, I love that Lauren is not afraid of people. She's not afraid of what people think. And so I knew she wouldn't mind asking her to come up here. And, and I was just going to ask Lauren to share for just a second. What, 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 do you, what do you love about our family and the way you've been raised in our family dynamic? Okay. Well, um, I really like that um, we all love being around each other. We will do things as a family all the time. And even if we don't want to, we'll still do it just because we want to be with each other. And um, I really like that just because I love my family and I'm a family person. Um, I, <laughs> I like how they raised us with godly, um, godly, um, what's the word? Principles. Yeah. Um, because they've showed me that you have a choice in good and wrong. And even though I may not like the decision, I know it's the best for me. And so I always keep that in mind when they're correcting me or something. I'm just like, okay. You don't it's, always it's like for, for what we the say. good. Not, not, and she's getting irritated and starting to give a look. Yeah, I'm like, I'm the queen of looks, okay? I have lots of looks. <laughs> I don't know where she learned all her looks. Yeah, I have no they're right for me. I have no idea. <laughs> um, let's see. Is there anything else? That's good. That's good. And so, you know, and obviously we're, we're very proud of, of Lauren and, and of Madison and Aaron as well. Now, here's the one thing that we've tried to make sure of through this series. We've tried to make sure that everybody understands that we have plenty of fault. Uh, there are plenty of things, plenty of times that we feel like we're flying by the seat of our pants and we're trying to figure things out day by day, right? And, you know, we've been through those periods of time raising our kids where, those of you who are parents, have you been there where it feels like all you're doing is correcting them and you're thinking, you're thinking, Lord, don't let this be how they remember me, you know? And you feel like all you're doing is riding them all the time. And so, you know, we just, like anybody else, we're, we're walking this thing out day by day, and sometimes you wonder, do I have a clue, you know, what to do here? And sometimes you wish somebody could just hand you a manual. Well, we've been handed the manual, and it's God's Word. And we've got to walk it out. And so we wanted to mention in this. Yeah, a couple yeah. things as we're going into this. You know, Rob and I work, and I was like, Rob, okay, I've got to preface with everybody that our children are not perfect, and if you've ever been around them, you know that. Just like Rob and I aren't perfect, and if you've ever been around us, you've seen that. And so, you know, as we're going into parenting today, we're talking about that. A couple things I just wanted you guys to know to help you relate is that um, we had that kid that was a biter in the nursery. <laughs> you know, like every time I'd take her, and I'd be like, oh, no, what's Miss Karen going to say? You know, who'd she bite today? You know, um, you know I had that kid um, that had a learning disability, that had a, was a challenge for them to read and to comprehend, and that they wanted to hold her back in first grade and repeat it. You know, we had um, that child, <laughs> well, these are a lot about you, um, which you guys won't believe this, but that child who still does not like change and does not like new things. I mean, her going to youth camp last week, Mom, I'm just so nervous, and y'all aren't going to be there, and is it going to be okay? And, you know, um, still deals with those type things. She would cry on the first day of, on no, every so first day week, of school. Two weeks before school would start. Oh, who am I going to have? What am I, gonna... I mean, she would just work it up into, like, Lord Jesus, help me, okay? And he did help us. <laughs> um, we had that child... Um, who has been diagnosed with ADD, ADHD. We won't, we, we won't say his name. <laughs> Lauren's like, not me, not me. <laughs> you know that child that... The ADHD. <laughs> yeah. You probably see him, like, running from here to there and all around. Um, you know, we've had that child who, you know, she's better now, but could not stand to speak to strangers. You know, like, if we even in church, you know, if we would try to make them speak, you know, you need to speak. You need to say hello. She'd, like, stand behind us. Um, you know, we had that child that did not like to make eye contact, that did not like to speak, that did not like to engage with people. You know, we have had the child that, um, you know, sometimes got made fun of or picked on. 
at school. Um, you know, we had, we still have the child that occasionally gets in trouble in kids' classes at church. <laughs> Just this week, you know, Shauna, we need to talk to you about Aaron, and you know, we're having some issues. And so here's the thing is, we're not perfect. And so no one is. But what we want to share with you guys today is what does the word say our responsibility is as a parent? And so we're going to keep going, but y'all give Lauren yeah. a hand there for... You know, so what is it that we are commanded to do by God? What is our purpose as a parent? And I, um, you know, I put it down into two things that Scripture tells us is that we are commanded to do two things. Number one is it says we are to train and we are to teach our children. And I've got three different versions of Proverbs 22.6 right here. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And then right here in the Living Bible, it says, teach a child to choose the right path. And when he is older, he will remain upon it. And then the Good News Version says, teach children how they should live, and they will remember it all of their life. And I just want to encourage you guys today, we are talking about parenting, but how many of you know that you parent even when they're out of the house? And so what we're saying today, you know, ask the Lord, how can I apply this to where I'm at today? How can I still teach them? How can I still train them? How can I still encourage them? And here's something I wanted to add right here is I know some of you have brought your kids up in the way of the Lord and they're not serving God right now. I want you to take this verse right here. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so I encourage you, if you're in that place where your child's not serving, claim that scripture. I taught them, I trained them. And so Lord, I'm wait, when they're old, God can define the old, but when they are old, sometime between now and then, I am believing that they are going to return to that, that they are going to walk it out, and that they are going to walk in the fullness that God has created them to do. And then the second thing that we see in Scripture about um, parenting, it says to discipline children. Yes, you guys love that word, right? All the teenagers are like, yes, yes, preach it some more, Shauna. Um, and right here it says in Proverbs 13, 24, it says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. A couple other versions right here in Living, it says, if you refuse to discipline your son, it proves that you don't love him. For if you love him, you will be prompt to punish him. And then the Good News version, version says, if you don't punish your children, you don't love them. If you do love them, you will correct them. And so, you know, we have got to, parents, be at a place where we are willing to correct because we do love them, because we want to train up children that are going to be functional and healthy adults that know how to live in society, right? So we've got to know that this is, this is our command as parents. God has commanded us to raise our children a certain way. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring your children up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so realizing that God holds us as parents responsible for how we raise our children. And, and you know, parents, a, a parent may not be a biological parent. A parent is a person who parents, Right? So you may have a child living in your home that maybe is a step-parent or, or whatever. Uh, uh, stepchild. A stepchild, you know, or something in your home. But you're the one parenting them. You're the one that, 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 that God is, is, is expecting to, to, to parent them and to raise them. You, you are the one to, to be the steward of them. And so we, we've got to realize that a lot of times, you know, because we live in a society that likes to, likes to shift the, the blame or the responsibility to others, we've got to realize that it is our responsibility. It's not grandparents' responsibility or aunts and uncles. It's, it's not the school's job. It's not the state's job or the government's job. It's not the church's job. It's not the youth group's job. It's not the youth pastor's job. That was always a whew for me, too. <laughs> it's not my job to raise your children, right? It's our job to raise our children. Um, it's not the schools, not peers or friends. And although, you know, each one of these groups will have a certain level of influence on our children, the buck stops here with us when it comes to our kids. We are the ones that are responsible, and we've got to make sure that we do things God's way and do it right. Amen? Amen. And we've got to realize that Y'all know as well as I do, the society is becoming increasingly selfish, right? Very self-centered. And, and, you know, kids don't have to be taught to be selfish. Isn't that true? Yes. Usually their first word is no, 
Mine. Mine. <laughs> right? So we're kind of born into that. But we've got to teach our kids to be selfless. We've got to teach our kids that society doesn't owe them something just because they were born into this world. Yes, you're special, but you're not any more special than the next person. Society doesn't owe you something. We've got to teach them to work hard and to develop the giftings that God's placed within them so that they can accomplish everything he created them to do, right? We've got to teach them to work hard. I, I found this, uh, somebody put this picture up. Throw up that, uh, yeah. We talk so much about leaving a better planet to our kids that we forget about leaving better kids for the planet. I think Jonathan Larcombe put that on his Facebook page the other day. We thought that was, that was really good. Educate your children. Say no to them every once in a while. You know, one of the worst things we can do for our kids is never saying no. Isn't that true? Um, so society today is always looking for somebody to blame. But I think one of the greatest things we've got to teach our children today is accountability. And we'll give a little for example, a little for instance here right quick. A couple of you already know this story. We had our son Aaron here a few weeks ago that had a buddy over. And uh, his buddy brought over his, uh, his phone, which is not, is not activated, but it was an iPhone, an older one that he was using like an iPod, playing games on, doing all these different things. Aaron is helping him change his password on it. Somehow, they messed up and couldn't figure out what the password was that was put in, and it locked out. Apple Store couldn't do it. It was locked out. It was dead. It was toast. Aaron did this by accident. And so, you know, I thought about that, and I thought, okay, you know, he's 10 years old. And, he, and I stopped, and I talked to the parents, and I, I said, at first. <laughs> well, at first you didn't know about it. Aaron didn't come and say, right. I locked out so-and-so's yeah. iPod and messed it up, and they can't use but it. But the dad says, I said, look, we're going to make Aaron, we're going to hold him responsible. He said, no, no, it was just a piece of junk phone. Don't worry. I said, no, this is a great learning example. This is a great learning experience. And so we got Aaron, we brought him in a room and said, look, this is what happened. And he goes, well, I didn't mean to. I, didn't. I said, no, you didn't. And you're not in trouble, not at all. However, it was in your hand and you did it. I know you were trying to help him. I know you were trying to show him. But you owe him a new one. You know, <laughs> what? And so we had already talked about it and we said, so here's what we're going to do. You have two options. You can give him on Sunday morning your iPod Touch and save up and buy a new one. Or, I said, we will help you out in this. We will buy him a new one. But we're going to lock your iPod in the safe until you pay it back. He was a little upset. He cried. He did. <laughs> but we helped him out some more. My grandfather had been saying, some of y'all saw the picture on Facebook of him mowing my granddad's yard. And so my granddad offered to let him mow his yard every two weeks for 30 bucks. And we told him he could mow our yard once a week, our front yard, for 15 bucks. And so, you know, we're helping him out and enabling him to, to, to work for and do it. But I thought, what gr better example? To, and and we, got it, we got a new one. We got it used off of eBay. And, you know, but he still had, I don't know, 150 bucks or something to pay back. But he's almost there in three weeks. He's, he's almost got it. But... We thought, you know what, we can't let him off the hook just because he's 10 years old. He's got to learn accountability and responsibility. And, and so we've talked about it several times since. And I've said, if you borrow something from somebody, even if it looks raggedy and it's about to break and it breaks while you've got it, you know what? You owe him a new one. We've got to be responsible and we've got to be accountable. And so that was kind of our lesson over the last few weeks. We've got to learn not to bail our kids out of trouble, to guide them through those times of trouble but not to bail them out, to teach them how to, how to navigate those times. Um, and I, I love that. Isaiah 21, 6 in the Living Bible says, teach a child to choose the right path. And that's why I love it the way the Living Bible says it. Teach them to choose the right path, and when they're older, they will remain upon it. And so we're talking about training them the ways of the Lord because we are trying to get what are the points, you know, okay, uh, our responsibility. Our responsibility is to train our children the ways of the Lord. That is the first and the final point, Right? That's it. So the question is, what does that look like? What does it mean? We've got to realize that our, God has a plan for our children's lives. And so our job is to equip them, to train them, for, um, so they'll be ready for anything the world can throw at them, so that they know how to go after God with all their heart 
and that they'll have all the tools they need to accomplish everything that God created them to do. That's our job, right? And hopefully that our children will accomplish more for God than we ever did. That's what I'm going to look at in the end. That, that's that's my, the end goal I'm looking at, is that my kids do more for Jesus than I ever do. So how can we train our kids, equip them, and give them every opportunity? We're going to give you a couple things here. And this is going to be the longest one. It's going to take us a few minutes to get through this. But number one, you got in your notes there, is equip them to succeed. And so the question is, how do we equip them to succeed? So the first thing I think is the most important is we have to teach them what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So what does that look like? What does that mean? How do we do that? Um, well, under that, one thing we need to do is we need to teach them how to pray, and we need to give them opportunity for them to pray in the home. You know, we need to be praying with our children at home. They need to hear us praying, but also they need to be given opportunities to pray and to, to be taught how to increase their vocabulary, how to um, communicate in new ways. You know, we used to um, do devotion times every morning, you know, and they would repeat the same thing over We would again. make each one pray. <laughs> We'd take, make them take turns and pray over the and day. And they like, would pray the same thing, or they'd pray what the person said before them. And so finally, Rob likes, okay, I want each one of you to get a new thought for something that you've never prayed before and express that. And so we as parents have the opportunity to teach them how to pray. And firstly, we've got to do it in front of them. They've got to see us praying for them, praying for issues, praying for one another. Um, next thing is that um, we need to teach them what it means to worship. And this is important. we got to teach our children the importance of worship, why we worship, and how to worship. And I, I, just, remember, I just remember when I was a kid. I remember the, the first couple of churches we went to. We went to a United Pentecostal church. And then uh, and, and the church we ended up in after that when I was in elementary school. And, and I remember something that kind of stuck with me and, and that we've done with our kids was my parents didn't let me sit in service. When I was old enough to sit in service with the adults, I wasn't allowed to sit and be a spectator. And it was, it was I remember slowly, my parents, you know, you know, would make me stand there next to them, and slowly they'd say, you know, I want you to start worshiping the Lord. I want you to, you know, sing. I want you to think about what the words mean. I want you to lift your hands sometimes, different things. And, and I learned through that how to worship and began to develop a love for worship. And I think too often we allow our kids to be spectators and we think, well, they'll get to this in their own time. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for God to touch them in that special way so they're ready. And, and I, we're called to train them, to teach them. And so I think it's important that we instill in them at a young age a love to worship God. We've got to show them how to do it as well. Another thing we need is we need to teach them um, to go to the Word. You know, so there, a crisis comes up, something happens, you know, somebody treats them bad, somebody stole their stuff, they stole somebody's stuff, they got caught in a lie. Okay, well, what does the Word of God say about it? How do we make this right? You go or, to your girlfriends and talk about it. No. <laughs> Please, no. No, you know, you need to teach them how to go to the Word of God to find solutions to their problems. And... Um, something I encourage, you know, it depends on the age that your kid's at, but, you know, I encourage everybody, get your kid a Bible, get them a children's Bible, you know, get them from the very young, wherever they're at, get them something age-appropriate that they can go to and that's going to help them. You know, something we did with our kids one time is we had gender and age-appropriate devotional books, you know, that we gave to them and said, okay, you know, we need you to do this, and then we're going to discuss it, or we're going to talk about it, and, um, you know, that kind of thing. We've got to teach them, you know. We can't just expect, oh, they're going to know what to do. Why? What does the Word say? Where in the Word does it say it? How do we find where in the Word that it says it? Also, another thing we we're going to throw in here is we need to teach our kids to be givers as well. And I'm not going to spend as much time on this as I did last week. <laughs> but I think it's very important that we teach our kids to give. And, and that's something I did talk about last week was Sean and I were both raised in homes where it, it, was, it was never just an optional thing to give. We always were givers, and we were raising that. And that's why through our marriage, I don't think in my life I've ever not been a giver. I've always been a giver because that's the way I was raised. And so it was never even a, a thought in my mind to not give, to not give in church, to not give and bless others to whatever, you know, whatever that may look like. And so, you know, we always have given, but we taught our kids because we always did it. Um, you realize we, we've never had to make our kids give. They've always done it automatically from the time they were real small. And I, I think it also 
we can attribute part of that to the fact that we have a great children's program in the church that takes up an offering back there in the back. You know, and, and so our kids always wanted to give. It was always an exciting thing. Every and Sunday morning, can I have some money? Can I have some money? So, so when they were real money? little, we would, we would give them money. We would give them money to give. We'd give them a, you know, a pocket full of change or a dollar or something. But as they started getting money, as they started getting birthday money and stuff, they wanted to give. They would come to us and ask for change. And we weren't having to make them do it because it was just always a thing that was, it was never optional to us. And it's the way we were raised, and it's, it was just kind of always, you know, there. So it's not something we had to just teach. Does that make sense? And so I, I think it's important that we, we train our children that and we teach them not, not to hold on so tightly to what God's given us, but that he blesses us so that we can bless others. God is a giver, and so we're givers as well. And so we got to teach our kids what it means to be a giver and how that shows faith to God. I even love the heart of one of my kids. They recently had a babysitting job, and she bought some, some ice cream or something with it this week. And I said, did you tithe off of that? And it was like a month ago. And she's like, well, I think so. She's like, but I didn't remember, so maybe I should do it again. Because <laughs> she couldn't remember if she did or if she didn't. And that's the thing is, you know, we have that ability that when they're young, let's teach them. Let's create it a habit within them so that it is something they do the rest of their life. Well, we've actually had a few parents that have said things it. at us to us, said things at us at different times, like, your kids give out of their birthday money? Well, that's not something they earn. They shouldn't have to give out of that. I'm not going to stop them. They want to give? Man, give to the Lord. And, and, and they want to give beyond, you know, the 10% in church, you know. And it, it just blesses me when I see them do it. And, I, man, I say Go for it. Be a giver. And, and they see how God blesses them. Which takes us into the next point, which is we need to make attending and, ter- and participating in church a priority. Um, you know, our kids need to see the value of church. They need to see that being in church is important to us, that we put that above anything else, that um, our family, we do this. We go to church. We participate because it's what the Scripture says. It's what the Word says. Um, you know, we make it a priority above anything else that um, would happen to come up. Now, here's a little disclaimer. There are times when you're going to miss, and that's okay. You know, we've had somebody come to us once, you know, like, I want to take my boys fishing. You know, this is the only opportunity in the next two months. We're like, dude, go take your boys fishing. Create those memories. Because all that other time, you're instilling in them that church is important. You know, so there are exceptions at times. But, you know, let them know church is a priority and that you're going to think before, about that before you just flippantly, oh, yeah, let's go do it. You know, let's think about it before we... For instance, Aaron got invited to go spend the night at somebody's house last night. And our rule is, no, we, we don't spend the night at somebody's house on Saturday night because that doesn't get us to church. Well, we can get them to church. No, they'll stay up too late, and they won't be tired and at their best for church on Sunday morning. And so that's kind of one of our ways in telling our children that, that Sunday morning is very important, and, and we just have worked hard to instill that in them. So with that, you know, and I know you guys have probably heard this, but especially when they become teenage years, do not give them a choice about if they are or not going to come to church. You are still the parent. You still have the responsibility to teach and train them while they're with your, within your home and underneath your roof. We've had parents, we've heard parents say to us, well, I want my children to come into their own. I want them to serve the Lord on their own and, and it to be, you know, their own choice. Your job is to train them. Their choice is when they turn 18 <laughs> and they're out of the house. That's when they have the choice. And hopefully we as parents have trained them in such a way that they're going to continue making that same decision. If not, pray. <laughs> Amen? Amen. You know, also here, you know, I say participating because there's more than just attending church. You know, we need to be participating in church. You know, we ourselves need to be serving. And within our home, once our kids hit, well, sixth grade, seventh grade, when they were in here, we're like, okay, you need to go through the growth track. You need to start serving. What has God placed on the inside of you that you can contribute back to this family and this church By the time I was 12 or 13, I was required to serve in some area of the church. And I I think that's awesome because we're a family, and hopefully you make your kids do chores at home and help pull the weight a little bit at home because they're part of the family. And this is church is the same way. We we all pull our weight and we all do our part. And I think that's part of instilling our children that you are just as important a part of this family as the oldest, most seasoned person, you know, in this building. And I think that's one way that we instill that is telling them, you know, jump in, participate, be a part. Where are you going to serve? Where are you going to make a difference? Oh, me? Sorry. The importance of loving your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, I think we teach them respect for others, loving your neighbor as yourself, what that means, treating others with honor and respect, the same honor and respect that you want to, uh, you know, receive from others, to not be a respecter of people, you know, that, uh, teaching them that it doesn't matter what people look like 
or, you know, how they smell, or how much money they make, or what their background or upbringing is, that, you know, it doesn't, that it doesn't matter. God loves them, respects them, and so we do too. We need to teach our kids sowing and reaping. We need to teach them, you know, walking out consequences. We got to also, we've also got to protect our children. I want to add something right oh, before sure. you go in that. You know, some of you, and I've heard this before as a parent, well, this whole Christianity thing's new to me, so how can I teach my kid? Man, bring them alongside with you and walk it out together. Learn together, but don't let ignorance be an excuse for not or saying, well, I haven't mastered this yet, so I can't teach that with my children. Wherever you're at, whatever you are doing, you're striving. You were trying your best, and so bring your kids into that. And if you mess up, and you know what? Mama thought that was right, but I was wrong. Here's what the word says. In turn, and make it right. But don't let I don't know it all be an excuse to not teach our children how to be a follower of Jesus. So the first thing was to teach them what it means to be a follower of Jesus, part of equipping them. second thing we were going to say is uh, it is our job to protect our children. And in protecting our children, I think, for me, the most important thing in that is not allowing them to be exposed more than they can handle in a certain moment in their life. So that's being sensitive to where they are in in their life, you know, from the time they're real young and, and as they get older, uh, not letting them be exposed to more than they're ready to deal with. However, we've got to realize we have to allow our kids to be exposed to the good, the bad, and the ugly of the world. They need to see the consequences of bad decisions in the world, and I think that's important. Uh, it's sometimes the trap that, that sometimes we can fall into as, as Christians is, is sheltering our kids so much that, that all they're told is, well, we don't do that. I think it's important that they see it and they understand why and they understand the consequences of it and they understand why that person's life isn't being blessed because they're not doing things God's way. They need to see the consequences of sin. And so I think that we do need to protect them. And I was going to say, you know, I, I've talked about this before. I, I, I can get on a soapbox about it. But if, if you're not monitoring what your children are looking at and what they're participating in, if you're not monitoring your kids' internet access, if you're allowing them just to have a device that they're carrying around and there's no monitoring, no filtering, no nothing, they're already exposed to porn and predators, I promise you, promise you, there's no doubt in the world. And I have such levels of security on my kids' stuff that it drives them crazy sometimes, but they understand why. They understand it. They also know, my kids absolutely know, that I can, in 30 seconds on my phone or my iPad or my computer, I can pull up every text message that they send from Aaron's iPod to their phones, even ones they've deleted in a moment. They know that I monitor these things. Well, I hear parents say, my kids need privacy. We are called to equip them and train them. And we are held responsible and accountable for that. Well, and something and, I've found with that is that you can use that as a teaching moment within your home. You know, the whole texting thing and Instagram and Facebook is kind of new to some of my children. And so, you know, we have allowed it. We do monitor it. But, monitor it, but you know, sometimes I'll see like a response or a way that they communicate to a certain person through text. And so I've seen that. And so I can go to them and I can be like, you know what? I noticed that you did this. Let me tell you how that boy perceives what you just wrote. Now, was that your intention? You know, and you can, instead of just correcting and harping, you can use those for teaching moments on, well, what would be a better way to communicate that? Or what was your real thought here? And so I think it's a great way to be involved and to teach our children how to communicate correctly and how to um, deal with issues and problems that they can And I up. guarantee you, they don't love probably the idea that we monitor their stuff, but we've never gotten a complaint because it's the way we've raised them. And we've taught them from a young age that we're going to be involved in whatever you do until it's time for you to go on and make your own way. And so I believe that's what we do with our kids. We, we, I need my space. I need my privacy. I, I'm sorry, y'all. I just don't believe in it. I, I don't believe in it. I believe it's, it's, if it's my job to equip and train them and I'm held accountable and responsible for it, then I'm going to be in the middle of it. Jason, the next thing right here is that we have to know our children's friends and their family and their parents. <laughs> you know, we need to know who our children, whatever age they are, you know, who are they hanging out with? What are their morals? What are their beliefs? You know, yes, it's okay that they may have people that aren't Christians, but are you monitoring that? Are they influencing? Or are they being the influencer? You know, are you teaching them, you know, well, they're not a Christian, so how can you still befriend them? What do those boundaries look like? How do you show, you know, God's love within um, those situations? We also, uh, pe people ask us sometimes, and we, we don't let our kids spend the night other places a whole lot. 
unless we really know the folks and feel real comfortable. And, and thank goodness our kids love home. They just, man, they just love being home. And they would rather have friends over to the house anyway because they just, they just love being together there at the house. But we're just real careful with that. We just don't blindly send our kids over to spend the night at people's houses that we don't know real well because we don't know what they'll encounter. We, can't, we cannot monitor those moments, so it's not going to happen real often. That just encourage you parents, you know, if you ever have that unction on the inside, like, you know, you could even like say, all right, Christian, I know him, but you have that unction on the inside of danger or I just don't feel quite right about it, don't send them. Don't let them go. I mean, that's the Holy Spirit a lot of times prompting us to, you know, they don't need to be there this time. And, you know, and you get to the place where sometimes your kids, we try to give them reasons why, but sometimes you may just say, you know what, I prayed or the Holy Spirit just showed me something and I just don't feel comfortable. I'm sorry. And sometimes we have to leave it at that. And, you know, go on with that. Takes us in the next one. Um, we're talking about protecting them relationships. You know, we need to teach them, you know, how a guy or a girl needs to interact with them, what to expect from somebody of the opposite sex. We need to help them um, to set boundaries for themselves. You know, what is a relationship going to look like for you? You know, what are your boundaries going to be? Um, you know, what are you looking for in a spouse? You know, if you're thinking about dating somebody, well, why are you wanting to date them? You know, what is it that you're wanting in a godly man or a godly woman? And help them define um, those type things. So we've just, and we could spend a whole lot of time with this. We're going to move on. But I think we've got to be very careful as our kids enter that age where they're starting to be attracted to the opposite sex and different things like that. And uh, I heard Willie George, you know, say, you know, sometimes your kids may yell at you, you don't trust me. Well, yeah, I trust you. I, I just don't trust your hormones <laughs> because I've been there and I've had them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And, and so we've got to be right in the, I believe, be right in the middle of your kids' dating relationships. I don't believe in privacy in relationships with our kids and the opposite sex. And, Which actually, don't you have a... Oh, yeah. Some of you may have seen, there was a picture last week that went viral on Facebook. And show the feminist dad t-shirt that went viral. Everybody got that? You want to see Rob's response? I think that guy's kind of an idiot. Here was my counter response to that this week. <laughs> they love me dragging them out to the backyard for that. I threw on my Tim McGraw hat and got going. Uh, next thing we need to mention here real quick is, I, I said this earlier, but we want to spend just a minute on this. We cannot bail our kids out. We have got to teach them to handle situations and to walk out consequences. God, 95% of the time, God expects us to walk out consequences of our actions. Christians, we like to pray that we won't have to walk out the consequences. We have to walk out the consequences of our actions, and our kids do too, and we've got to teach them that. You know, a couple examples there. I was trying to think about how could we apply that to our life. Um, recently, um, I was with my kids, and we were in a, um, at an activity with a bunch of different kids and adults and parents and all this kind of stuff. And um, in the moment of this, I felt like one of the adults spoke quite rudely to one of my children. You know, and so I'm sitting there, and on the inside, I was like, <gasps> you know, my first thought is, well, I'm going to get up and I'm going to leave. That was my first thought. Then my second thought is, well, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go talk to, in private, talk to that person about what they did. And then I sat there thinking and contemplating, and I thought, okay, my child was corrected. Here's the thing, is they were speaking out, and they were wrong. So even though I didn't like the way that they were corrected by that individual, my child was still wrong. And so, you know, after that event was over, we went through it, did it, you know, and of course, one of the children came up to me, I just didn't like how so-and-so, I said, you know what? I said, I was able to share through the experience. You know what? I didn't either. However, were you speaking when you weren't supposed to? Had they already told you twice to not speak out? Well, yes, ma'am. I said, so you were in the wrong. You know, and I know so many of us would like take on that offense like, uh-huh, I know what you're saying. I'm going to go talk to her right now, and I'm going to tell her you have no business talking to my daughter like that. Okay, how can we create an ugly moment or something that we don't agree with to teach our children how to respond? Because how many of you know as adults you get spoken to by people that you don't like the way they talk to you sometimes? You know, and we have to choose how we're going to respond. we got to choose to go the right way. Madison kept forgetting her flute when she would go to school, her flute for the band. After taking it to her about three different times, it was like, sorry, you're without a flute today. And she had to go to band without her instrument. One other As a sixth grader, some would say, she's only in six. We've got to teach our kids responsibility. You've got to be accountable. 
Another example, and this was so hard for me, you know, Aaron, our lovely active son that we were talking about, you know, he loves baseball. He loves baseball. He has baseball practice. I tell him, we have baseball practice. You need to be dressed, ready, you know, put the expectations out there. Be ready at 6.30. We got to leave by then. 6.40, he's not ready. You know, used to what I'd do would be like, come on, come on. I'd be screaming and I'd be dragging. And so finally, here's what I said. I was like, I'm leaving at 6.30. If you're late, you're going to suffer the consequences from your coach. And, and I did. used to hate doing that because I'm like, that's a bad reflection of me as a parent. I'm not getting my child here on time. He only had one time that he, he didn't make the lineup and he ended up being an alternate and not getting the bath the whole game. And he learned. And sometimes we had to make those hard decisions even if we think it's going to make us look bad, to teach them the traits that they need to have the rest of their life where they can Okay, we got succeed. to move much faster. So we got to teach our kids to be people of their words, not to quit, not to, not to give up, but to follow through on commitments. We always taught our kids, you want to be a part of this sport, you want to be a part of this activity, that's fine, but you're going to finish it. There's no, there's no stop. Oh, after two weeks, I, don't, I decided this isn't for me. I don't like it. You're going to finish it. You're going to do it because the team is counting on you. And you made a commitment to it. We've got to be their biggest cheerleader as well. You know, yes, we're there to train and to teach and to bring correction. But we have to make sure that we are giving praise, that we're saying, good job, way to do this. You know, and I love, you know, good job. And to do it in front of other people, too, it builds up their self-confidence. It builds up their self-image. Many of your kids are scheduled to serve in children's classes or different part areas here. It's the time to help hold, begin to hold them accountable to that, not letting them spend the night at people's houses on Saturday night stuff when they're scheduled to work and, and help them hold them to that. The next thing we want to mention was be your kid's biggest cheerleader. We need to encourage them 10 times more than we correct them. We need to be there for all those important moments. They need to know that we are always going to be there. And we can never express too much how proud we are of them or how much we love being their parent. I also want to mention we've got to cultivate their love for learning. And this can be a tough one because we might have to turn off electronics sometimes. But we've got to teach our kids to enjoy doing new things. we got to take opportunities to teach them something new every day, whatever that may be. Fix something, build something, make something, do something so your kids you know, enjoy, uh, enjoy learning, so not stuck to a TV. we got to teach them a love for learning. They've said that learning, the stats say learning and uh, reading improves concentration, improves your vocabulary, develops imagination. Uh, kids who read do significantly better in school. It relaxes the body and calms the mind. A recent study found that people who read are two and a half times more likely to be People who love to read are two and a half times less likely to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's later in life. People would say, well, I'm not a reader. My response to that would be become one. Become one for your children's sake. We've got to teach our children to communicate. Man, if we want our kids to accomplish something in life, they don't need to be kids that reply to adults with grunts. Hey, how you doing? You know. We've got to teach our kids to communicate, to look people in the eyes and be able to respond and, and carry on conversations and to treat people with respect. Because it is respect, isn't it? We've good, got to teach our kids A that. good way you can do that or start out with is, like, even when you're at a restaurant or a fast food counter, teach them to make eye contact with the person that takes their order. It amazed me when we had a, the youth group how many times we'd go to a fast food restaurant and we'd have a kid come up to us and go, I want a number four. And it's Tell like, them. step right up and order it. I've never done that before. You know, 15 and 16-year-olds, you're going, seriously, order your food. <laughs> that person's not going to bite you. You know, we got to teach our kids to be able to do that. And uh, last thing we're going to mention in that is be open with your life. I don't believe in hiding stuff from our kids. It doesn't mean you got to give them every detail of your teenage life and all the terrible stuff you did. But I think we need to be open with them with the good choices and the bad choices and the consequences of each so that they can learn from, from uh, what we did. Takes us into point two right here is um, we've got to choose to be an example. Um, you know, live out what you believe. Don't let your children be able to say you're a hypocrite. <laughs> hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, that word. Listen, here's the deal. <laughs> it does much more harm to our parenting and our kids' lives when we say something that we don't do ourselves. The whole mentality of do as I say, not as I do, Oh, it's terrible. Oh, my gosh. It teaches our kids that our word means nothing. You know what else it teaches them? That our beliefs mean nothing. The things we say about God mean nothing if we don't do what we say. It's important that we live the example and we back up our words with actions. You know, our actions speak louder than words, and so do our actions agree with God's word. Do we apologize when we're wrong? I heard one dad say to me, I said, you need to apologize to your kid. I will never apologize to my kid. That's not my place to... Yeah, it is. 
There's nothing that your kids would respect more than you coming in and saying, I'm sorry I was wrong. I'm going to hit number three. You can still be the example to them. Still watching you. Sometimes I think you're a bigger example then. You know, you think they're out of their house, but I assure you they're still watching you. Does that word, are they doing what they taught me when I was a kid? Are they living that out? Is it important to them? Is it a value? How is their marriage? You know, sometimes we get comfortable as we're older, you know, spurting out what we think about our spouse to our older adult. And, you know, are we showing God's love, God's respect, you That's know, right. to them? It's, it's so important. And the number three, the last one we think uh, that we found vitally important is choosing to be consistent. Number one, human beings, we thrive on pattern and repetition and consistency, right? And so as we're raising children, I think it's very important that we give them consistency. And that's basically doing what you say. It, another one of those things that does terrible harm to our parenting is when we make idle threats. When we threaten our kids with something that we have no intention of ever doing. If you don't do that, I'm going to do this. And you know inside you would never do that. We can't make those idle threats to our kids, and we've got to, we have got to follow through on what we say. Our kids have got to learn that our word is law and that we will not bend when it comes to our word. Um, you want to share that last story? Yeah, we're talking about, you know, let your word mean what your word means. This past week, I think it was last Sunday, I don't know, um, I was bringing the girls home and one of their friends, one of our neighbors home from church or from a youth activity, and um, they're like, can we go get ice cream? I was like, no. They're like, can we go to Sonic? I was like, no. And then the little girl with us, you know, she's like, can we stop at CVS on the way home? How about, can we stop at that gas station right there? They have a Baskin Robbins in it. And I was like, um, let me tell you something. If there's something you don't know about me, is Miss Shauna, is when I say no, and then both of my girls in unison said, she means no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, and so we've got to be a person of our word that they know that they can't beg to a point where we just give up and say, okay. And it's hard. Because okay? then they learn to it beg and whine for everything. You know, we've got to be a person of our word, and we've got to do what we say, and we can't allow manipulation, kind words, persuasion to change what our decision is going to be. And the last thing I want to tag onto this, the very last point under this, is there has to be consistency between parents. I don't believe there's any greater breakdown in the family, in the parenting, than, than two parents that aren't in agreement on discipline. You know, when you've got one parent that is, is undermining the other one in what they've said, uh, we found that it is the biggest breakdown. And, and, you know, when you're in agreement and you don't allow your kids to get between you, and they know that you are going to stand together, you've just taken the power away. You haven't given the power away to them. Does that make sense? It's, it's so important that we stand together in, uh, in unison. And it may be that you don't agree with your spouse. There's been times, I, I know with Shauna, where she hasn't agreed and, and she's thought I was too harsh. And she absolutely will stand beside me as I'm, you know, spewing in a moment. And I pronounce judgment. This is the punishment. And, and I walk out and she'll grab me back in the bedroom and go, you know what? And we'll talk about it for a minute. But never, ever will does she correct me in front of the kids or say that she doesn't agree with me. I think that's so vitally important. And it's made us stronger together, you know, as we do, you know, discipline the kids and, and, and teach them. And right here there's a scripture. It says, uh, Matthew 12, 25. It says, Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, a divided kingdom ends in ruin. A city or home divided against itself cannot stand. And it's so important that you are in unity when it comes to parenting. You've got to get on the same page because else you are divided and you cannot stand and it's not going to be as successful. And so you've got to figure out how you guys are going to come into agreement and discipline together, love together, teach together, train together, notice together. It is a team job that we do together. So have you guys enjoyed that? We're going to wrap it up here. Um, you know, I was actually, as we were thinking about parenting and relationships and all that, this morning I was thinking about, you know, the story of um, the, the prodigal son that ran off, you know, and that his father gave his inheritance and all that. You know, and I was thinking, you know, we all are at different places, but something we see is that in that situation is he didn't run after his son. He didn't run after him. He didn't chase after him. But he was right there with wa arms wide open, ready to receive when he came back, you know, and maybe some of you guys, you know, your kids aren't where they are. They're older and you don't have 
um, that control or that ability to oversee quite the same, stand on that scripture that I said earlier, is that they will return to it. And make sure that you are there with the arms wide open, ready to receive. When they've hit that rock bottom, when they've hit that hard place, that God's love overflows and comes out of you. And um, actually, I want everybody to go ahead and bow their heads. And um, I want to give an opportunity. You know, we're talking about parenting, but I was also just talking about the, the prodigal son and was talking about how, you know, he came running to the Father. You know, maybe you're in this place this morning and you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never come running to the Father saying, I need you. I need to serve you. And if that's you this morning, you're saying, you know what? I've never called upon this, this, this God as my Lord or Savior. Or maybe you have, but you know that you're not serving him the way that you're supposed to. And you're like, you know what? I need to make some changes. I need to, I need to make him priority. I need to make him number one within my life. If that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you to just raise your hand up. We're not going to bring you up front. We're not going to embarrass you. But if you'd say, you know what? I need to get right with the Lord. I need him to be my Lord and Savior. I need to get priorities straight. I need to get things in the order that they need to be. That's awesome. Thank you for that hand. Is there anybody else? Awesome. Anybody else? I need to get that right. And it just hit me. As you raised your hand right then, angels, I think, started dancing around up heaven and celebrating. But the word tells us that all we have to do is we have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart and that we will be saved. And so I want you guys, I want everybody to just repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes, and that I cannot make them right. But God, I ask you to come and forgive me, to wash them away. I thank you that you are my hope. I thank you that through you. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. Yeah.